Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Three, a part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. It is our first show in the middle of Wimbledon with uh, three rounds in the books for Novak Djokovic. The first against Pedro Kachin, the second against Jordan Thompson, the third over Stan Wawrinka, which just wrapped up uh, merely minutes ago. So we're recording just after. I, I think it's uh, fair to smooth over the... Well, let's work backwards, actually. So let's start with uh, the Vavrinka match, uh, which obviously offers all this uh, nostalgia, Joel, as they've played their fair share of epics. Both Novak and Stan have have won some of them, especially and particularly in the best-of-five format. Uh, but it, it does feel a little bit different in, in 2023 to me, Joel. Well, now that they've played at Wimbledon, I think we've got Novak's had the, the stand slam, right? They've played at the other three majors. They've not played at Wimbledon. And this was nice. There's a little bit of a uh, late stage Varinka. I mean, he's been through injuries and he's passed his best years. Nonetheless, I mean, they do have a neat history. He's beaten Novak at all of the other three majors on his way to winning those majors. So that was impressive. But I think this had an air of like, Varinka is still... He's not as good as he was, and Novak just keeps rolling and rolling and solves so many problems yet again in this match. Just so impressive. I think I wrote down in my notes, Stan did not make enough first serves in the first two sets, and he did not hit enough forehands. It's hard to hit forehands with Novak's depth. And I feel like I watched two matches today, both this match match and the Murray Tsitsipas match, where one player refused to hit backhand down the line or just, I mean, I, I know it's easier said than done, but just would not change direction, was content to rally with Novak. And everyone knows trying to rally with Djokovic is impossible. And part of that is two-hander versus one-hander. Uh, on grass, when the ball is coming quicker and you need that extra stability and that, more precise timing obviously it's harder to change direction when the ball is coming faster than when it's coming slower like if it's on clay and you're further back uh and that's murray where... didn't have that excuse but i i will Good buy point. it for stan <laughs> yeah <laughs> fair enough uh we should talk maybe off air about the murray thing that's that's fast i agree with you that that was an issue uh but the why is fascinating uh but you know also i think even if stan were in his prime this would be the worst surface. I don't know that he would have gotten Novak on this surface, even in his prime. Oh, I agree. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think Novak, he, he's, his movement, his flexibility. I mean, I think on grass, that kind of agility, flexibility factor really plays a, a major part in grass because even when you have time on the slower grass, you don't have, you don't have the bounce. You know, there's, a little, there's always a certain adjustment factor on grass that's like no other surface. And you got to take that both physically and emotionally because some of them that you're just not going to get some of them. And it's going to, even Novak, even Novak's going to suffer a bad bounce. I thought it was 
pretty much what you would think it would be in that stand coming off of, you know, foot surgery where he missed over a year was a step slower than Novak, who, you know, has always had beautiful movement and, and flexibility. So the outcome was not a surprise. There were a couple of really good exchanges couple where Novak chased down a lob retrieval and snapped it back a um, couple of good points exchanged at the net so it was entertaining in that way but the outcome was not in doubt well I'll make another parallel Amy to Murray and Vavrinka. Mm -hmm. the way they have aged is like you know what happens to humans that's that's how it works Novak's the exception he's the rule breaker so I was also thinking about that. I was thinking what an illustration this is of what we've talked about with Djokovic's longevity. I don't know, maybe we've talked about it so much that people are sick of hearing about it. But you know, here we have someone in Stan who when he was 36, his knees were breaking down in a big way. And it's amazing that he was able to persevere and wanted to persevere through that and has successfully. Uh, but then you know, there's Novak at the same age who is just still the best mover on grass on tour. Well, we get the, that next to each other. Some of this was laid years ago in all sorts of things that they could speak to about training methods and Djokovic's fanatical devotion to stretching and a whole bunch of other things. Not that those other guys didn't do those, but just, I mean, who even knows? I mean, who knows? It might just be the genetic roll of the dice. I think viewers will be interested in this. So I do want to bring it up. Why did Stan beat Djokovic in big matches at majors? Why did this happen three times at three different majors? Uh, what was it about Vavrinka's game against Novak that that provided a difficult um, challenge? Because also Djokovic was, was in really good uh, prime years for all of these. It's not like we're cherry picking like a 2017 uh, kind of match, like, first half of 2017 or anything like that. Uh, you know, Djokovic was having good seasons and Stan uh, got him three times. So you're asking, you want to, you want a thought on that? Having, I was, I was uh, at all of those matches. And I think one thing that Ravrinka was able to do in those, in that case, the one-hander, which may appear limited against some, actually was maximized in his flexibility in some of those matches. I mean, it's kind of like the sheer pinnacle of the one-hander at its best. I mean, I remember particularly the Roland Garros 2015 final. That was just amazing. He's matching him stroke for stroke, but he's sort of out flexibility him. You know, he's kind of like Novak's the one a little more locked into the cross-court pattern. Novak's the one a little less getting the outside corner of the ball. And Rarinka is just, I mean, you see how much, you watch that 2015 final in Paris and you see how much Rarinka is stretching the court. I mean, that's a one-hander that's at the highest, highest level of a one-hander clicking on all cylinders and then hitting it up the line, down the line and staying in rallies and just tremendous, tremendous, almost, I wouldn't say unteachable, but highly difficult to learn one-hander at its most ferocious. I do think that Stan's one-handed backhand is different than all the others. It's more powerful. And typically when you play someone with a one-handed backhand, you think you pepper it, you run your, your pattern to that, either the backhand, 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 the bomb to the forehand, or uh, 
really good shot backhand down the line and then you approach the net and finish to the open court. And against Stan at, at that particular time, that didn't work. The, his backhand did not break down and it didn't produce errors in the backhand to backhand rallies. I also think if memory serves, Stan served very well during that era and got a lot of free and easy points off of his first serve, which he did not get today. Yeah, like what I mean by ferocious, I mean, he was also, he was versatile and mobile. He'd improved his forehand. And I think, I think you guys brought a great point out, Amy, about the, the limitations that the one-hander sometimes has versus the two-hander. But in his case, he was just so... Uh, so dialed in and so able to to spread the court and it is a different one-hander than a lot of the other ones and his, his confidence in it was was so high also at, at well, Roland Garros he'd beaten Federer he was he was just playing so well as you alluded to Joel I think a young Stan his backhand was great his forehand was the weakness and then he got really really even and there was nowhere to hide it's a barrage mm -hmm. of big power wherever you go my critique for Novak in those matches were that he uh, he wasn't as much of a disruptor, meaning I think he kind of played Stan into rhythm, and there was a lot of a lot of Vavrinka hitting from his strike zone with kind of the same kind of ball coming from Novak, and both of them are kind of rhythm players uh, that way. But that's where I think Vavrinka's power just started to overwhelm. I actually think Novak has improved this. There's more drop shots in his game. There's more slice in his game, more net approaching, bigger first serves. That's, that's a way to disrupt rhythm. So I, I think there was, you know, an era where Djokovic was just confident in beating anybody with the kind of lateral baseline tennis. Mm -hmm. And Stan loved that. And he played so well sometimes against it, especially in the three matches we're alluding to. Uh, across across um, Australian Open, Roland Garros, and and the U.S. Open, ultimately in 2016, um, I, I feel like Djokovic, if he played that Vavrinka now, might actually do a lot a lot of things better. I, that's a great point. I mean, also more more topspin on the forehand at times. You know, so he's arcing the ball more. Though we did see, we saw one saw one example. In the in the Wimbledon match today, where Novak tried to certain volley against Stan in the in the ad court, and Stan just ripped a cross court backhand. Where it's like, yeah, I still got that. Some I can still hit that one. So I just think, uh, yeah, I think Novak's a different player than he was. That's that's eight years ago, the U.S. Open final seven years ago. Another stat that comes up quite often on some of the telecasts is just how much more forehand. Novak is hitting in this era than he did back, you know, five years ago. Um, he he definitely runs around more. So, you know, on clay, if you serve to stands, and sometimes he would do this on the forehand too, but if you would serve to stands backhand, sometimes he wouldn't hit a drive backhand return. He would just bump it back to get the point started. Novak back then might have been content to get into a rally. Novak now would look to hit forehand and just start taking over the point. Yeah, very, very good point. I was concerned about that coming into this match for Vavrinka. I'm like, are you going to block your returns? Because if you're going to block your returns, Novak is probably going to look to 
kill, kill, kill on, on the plus one. Uh, let's talk about Novak extending the tiebreak streak. Uh, Ten in a row now. I was looking at it, and I think I've seen all ten uh, over the stretch. So many of them were Roland Garros, where I think I, I was watching every match. Um, but I actually think this might have been his sloppiest one. He almost lost it. It probably would have meant running into the curfew, uh, but he made a couple of unforced errors, and then there was a second serve that he put in the middle of the court. Uh, how, like, what what do you think happened there in the third set when it got more competitive, Amy? And and what did you think of just the, the drama of the ending? Because, you know, we were flirting with a situation <laughs> where maybe we'd have to play the next day. Not us, Novak. No, Novak did the tournament a huge favor and, and, basically brought everything on schedule by by finishing up that match. Stan had the set on his racket. And I believe that first point, he missed the first serve. And no, he um, it was the first serve hit the net. And so he got to retake the first serve, if I'm remembering this right. And then so he had a second first serve and it just barely missed. I mean, and, and it was challenged and it was out for sure, but not by much. If he makes that serve, um, we might be looking at playing again tomorrow or finishing up the match tomorrow. Uh, it was very close. And in the end, uh, Mr. Lockdown and tie breaks just did, he, he was going to refuse to miss those last two mini breaks. Um, and then he, all he had to do was serve it out. So it was a very close tiebreaker. But when Novak has been going into this lockdown mode, it's just insane. Gil, before um, Joel comments on the tiebreaker, when was the last time Novak lost a breaker? Banya Luka. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so a while ago, yeah, like I think you got the tiebreak pretty, pretty well. I mean, I think he just had there was kind of a little mini, mini laps there, and Rarinka snapped up those points, and then Novak he just he kind of woke up, um, focused, and uh, and then I think Rarinka probably got a little a little nervous. Yeah. At that point. How about the deep return middle to Vavrinka's one hander? Really hard to hit a serve, recover, split step, one-handed backhand. And you're in the court a little bit. You know, you you have not even had a chance to kind of jump back behind the line to reset yourself. It's like a one-handed backhand person, which I am, nightmare. Like, please don't ever do that to me. And and I just felt for Stan in that moment. Yeah, two, two in a row there, late mini breaks. Um Here's how I'll transition. One thing that Stan did not do was come forward in this match unless Novak forced him forward uh, with a drop shot or a short slice. Uh, but that was not the case in the second round match that Djokovic played against Jordan Thompson. And we've talked a lot about, about net rushing uh, on this show, especially in regards to uh, playing Novak and trying to figure out a way to just challenge him a little bit more. Look, Thompson could not have come forward, I don't think, any more than he did. He was serving volleying on most points and was wanting no business with the baseline and ended up giving uh, Djokovic, uh, putting him under a lot of pressure and having a lot of success in the match. 
Uh, Joel, were you happy to see uh, Jordan Thompson execute the game plan that he did? Oh, you're asking me that, Gil, because you know I like coming to net. Yeah, I think I think Rarinka knew Rarinka knew that he'd beaten Novak some other ways that way, and that's not he's not as comfortable doing that. And I think Thompson knew this is what I got to do because the other way is no chance. The other way is is no chance. So I might as well find some chance. And he posed a lot of questions, and he 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 showed a way. Oh, this is a way to at least raise some questions for Novak and see if he can come up with some answers. And when you win. When Djokovic wins the last two sets, seven six seven five, that's intriguing. That's interesting, and it speaks to also some of the qualities that you can get away with—not get away with it—you can win with on grass, uh, even even on today's grass, even when the grass is slower than it once was. Bravo, Thompson! Love it. Try something different. Someone texted me. I'm not sure because I haven't checked the stats. That it was sixty serve and volleys. How bold, you know, to do that against the GOAT, the world number one, um, or soon to be world number one again. Uh, yeah, very bold. That's the kind of thing that that um, will make for really engaging, entertaining tennis and precipitates better, more meaningful discussions than just going out there and giving it in your best and, and losing straight sets again. Oh. Find another way to lose. Oh, and I, I want to yeah. clarify something also that I said earlier, just to, a word. I use the word ferocious for Stan. I want to say, I mean that as purely as a compliment about the quality of his shots. I just want to point that out. I used that term earlier. So I just, I was referring to him earlier. I just meant it was so impressive watching him unveil his power in those matches he was winning with Novak over the years. It's, and again, I, I have so much, so, so much regard for Stan Wawrinka. I mean, and today it was nice to see him put on a really good effort. I don't think the Stanimals are going to come after you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I also, I don't, I don't think there would have been any offense taken. Uh, well, okay, so the Thompson thing, you know, his volleys were also unbelievably impressive. And I just think it's important to kind of enter that into the conversation that, it, you know, the decision-making to come forward is one thing, but it's also how are your skills and I yeah. was just, I was super impressed with his drop volleys. I, I couldn't believe how he was able to sometimes deaden the ball that was coming in so hard. Uh, so he had those two things going for him, good spot serving. And the serve and volley, the serve and volley was really, really effective. But do you know what this reminded me of this match? It reminded me of the Djokovic-Cressy match, which was on the scoreboard close because the serve and volley was working, but, and it's a big but, you can't serve and volley on return. And yeah. you look at Djokovic's uh, serve points won against Thompson, 88% first serve points won, making 69% in. And even on the second serve, 66% won. Uh, and he didn't face a break point in the three sets. So once again, it's like, somebody in order to, to beat Novak like this needs to have also the ground strokes to end the return to be able to actually challenge in the match, not just challenge in terms of, uh, oh, it's really hard for Novak to break this guy. Agreed. Well, so what it is, it's a developmental philosophical question. It's not about having ground strokes. It's about going after three returns and making them. It's the type of tennis that Pete Sampras played that I watched uh, Chris Eubanks play today in winning. So you're playing for one break. 
so it's it reminds me of the time when Andre Agassi played Ivo Karlovich, and he saw that was a kind of problem to solve in a way in, in the way of a Cressy or to some degree what Thompson did. And Agassi said to about Karlovich, I don't want to see that guy. Yeah, he shouldn't hit more than three balls a point. I mean, and so in a way, when your model is okay, hold, hold, hold. I'm going to take big cuts at lots of returns. I'm going to come in because all I'm trying to do is get one service break here. I'm not trying to establish a rhythm and stay in rallies with Novak so I can eventually break him. I'm trying to get this at one break sometime. And that was the Pete Sampras genius, particularly at Wimbledon. I'll break you at four all. I'll break you at one all in the second set. And there's and there goes the match. So so I think Thompson, he he showed something that could be done, but I think he didn't he didn't show it enough or have enough skill or I don't know what it was in the and the return part of it. And that allowed Novak to also find the tempo too. Yeah, I think some of these opponents have looked really lost with their return position, including Stan today. You got to do better than letting Novak win 66% on second serve. It's one thing on the first serve when he's grooving it and you just can't touch it and he's hitting his spots and, you know, putting massive percentages in the box on first serve. Okay, you're almost like let him have that. But you got to figure out a way to attack the second serve or run a pattern or figure out where he makes his errors easier said than done, but I do think that that would be the key to making it a more competitive match. But again, this gets back to development and training. And I think how players go about building a style and what they do in their earlier, in their developmental years. I, I do wonder uh, if we went back and watched those second serve points, did Thompson have chances to just return in charge? Um, Because that might've been, I think I saw it a couple of times, and I I really do think he was trying to get to net whenever he can. Uh, but but my point is that it's much harder on the return to rely on volleys. To, no question to, to to win you games. Yeah, yeah. Well, your only short ball is the serve. The only ball that's going to bounce inside the service line is the serve. I mean, not the only. You might get one in a rally, but you've got to. I think there's a lot of court vision, though. Actually, this has implications for Novak's next match, doesn't it? Yeah, let, let's talk about that. Uh, Hubert Hurkacz in the fourth round, who uh, I power ranked personally as the sixth best Wimbledon contender. Uh, so I'm high on him. I think, you know, before I knew that Berrettini was going to be healthy, he was kind of representing in this field as the server guy, uh, because, you know, especially <laughs> with Nick out of it, like he's, he's the player in the field who's going to rain down aces uh, but he's also got got some other skills to him. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Amy, what do you think of this this head to head? Which, by the way, I'll let's say five uh, O Djokovic in this uh, in this head to head. They've played uh, this year in Dubai. They played last year in Madrid. They played the year before at, in the Paris Masters, and then in twenty nineteen they did play at Wimbledon, and Djokovic won uh, in four sets. I think this is the type of player that's 
easy pickings for Novak. I, I, I mean, Hubie may get a set off of him, but he's faced this type of player many, many times before. Studies will will have a full report from his analytics people on his tendencies. If it's 40-15, where does he like to put it? If he's down break point, where does he like to put it? Um, second serves, where does he like to put it? You're talking about the world's greatest returner, and he will have the full match report. So this is pretty easy. Hubie, you know, it could take could take a set, maybe a, a seven five or or a tie break. Um, but it, this type of player, this style of player, Novak knows how to beat. Well, he'll be coming to net more, so it's a different player than if he was playing David Goffin or Rublev or the kind of stock order baseline. I think I, I think there's going to be some interesting questions posed by someone who who enjoys coming to net frequently. Yeah, I I wonder if this is going to be a match where after the match we're like, oh, he he couldn't get to net, he didn't get to net, <laughs> uh, you know, because I, that happens, right? Tommy Paul. Uh, spoke very openly about it at the Australian Open. Yeah. He was like, the plan was to come to net. I just couldn't get there. Right. No, but Tommy Paul also in that match chose not to get there a lot. Tommy Paul let himself be intimidated early by some quality returning and said, okay, can't do that anymore. And so in a way, I think on grass at Wimbledon, I think a player like Hercotch might not see it that way. So Joel, like what would be for, for Hercotch, what would be per set-ish enough for you to say okay you came in at least 15 or 20 okay at least okay. 15 or 20 rushes per set and okay. also more more probably more significantly per our prior talk um how many times do you try it on the second serve but i think novak the way the, the smart tactic against the person who attacks the second serve and comes in is to more serve to their forehand because it's easier to run the the rip charge or the chip charge with the backhand than on the forehand. And I could see Novak, his his, his uh, surgical qualities are going to surface. It's going to be fun to watch this because of the, the problem-solving nature of this match. But also, Hercotch has a far better second-serve backhand return than he does That's on the right. forehand. So it's even more reason to go there. And in general, from the baseline, Hercotch's forehand, uh, for my money, is the weakest in the top 20, bar none. And uh, it can it can pose a problem like in in a couple of situations. One, you could see if Djokovic is just getting the big returns back, that Hercotch may not be as opportune as he needs to be on those attackable plus one forehands. Uh, and then the other way you can kind of just see it breaking down is is from neutral. If Novak just keys in on that side under pressure, and it perhaps gets a little bit tight. And Hercotch can can decelerate sometimes and make mistakes. Whereas the backhand, it stays low. It's very consistent. He takes it down the line pretty well. So it, it's it's a very difficult shot to break down the Hercotch backhand. At the same time, it, it's also not going to really hurt you, which is why it's so important that Hercotch comes forward and his main offensive tool is his volley. But you know, my one of my biggest qualms with Hercotch besides the forehand is the fact that he has a great serve. He has great volleys, but he doesn't serve in volley. Yeah. It's well, it's contemporary tennis. It's the way the game is currently played a lot. And I think he'll need to figure out how he wants to mix that. I think if he finds himself hitting more than 
two forehands in a baseline rally, that's not a good, that's not good math. You know, if he's in a baseline rally and he's suddenly fighting, now I'm hitting my third forehand. Even if he wins that point, it's not the proper investment allocation. So he's got to figure out how he's going to pose these questions to to Novak. And I think Novak, I, I I'm I'm intrigued by this match. I I think it's going to be interesting. I, yeah, of course we think Novak can win. He's favored always, but it's interesting. I think I kind of agree with Amy though that sometimes these. This particular opponent is is not as interesting as as the baseliner, just because the weapon they rely on most is going up against Novak's return. And of course, I'm referring to the serve. And then I think about you know Novak's Wimbledon uh, runs in the last couple of years. You know, Kyrgios in last year's final, uh, Berrettini in the 2021 final, Kevin Anderson in in one of the finals a couple years back it it hasn't look i i get it djokovic has beaten every opponent big server not big server but i don't know the big servers in particular have seemed kind of confounded well wait I, I'm, I'm confused berrettini and kyrgios each won the first set so then they were playing you know all out big serves big forehands big shots and of course they just didn't have enough to to maintain that wasn't sustainable for them where they were redlining and they captured that set and Novak kind of took their measure and did what he does. Though that final last year was had some very close dramatic moments. I all the way I think just Kyrgios is, is I, uh, you know, he's on a higher skill level than, you know, Kevin Anderson, Berrettini. Uh, right. Yeah. And, yeah. So I think, I think he brings a little bit more if the serve comes back. Well, he brings a, yeah, he definitely has skill and he has racket head speed and he has touch. I mean, Kyrgios is very, when he's playing well, it raises a lot of interesting questions. I think the other ones are more like Hercotch, a far more linear kind of opponent. In a way, in a way, he reminds you a little bit of Anderson, but not, but a better attacker, but kind of a certain kind of linear flat. So, so it'd be, the, the movement issue is going to be interesting to see and on also how he, how he maintains his presence through the Novak, you know, what wall of impregnability Novak's been in decent shape on on the scheduling right it it hasn't the rain hasn't affected him as much uh just because of course being on center day three which was a, a really uh rainy Wednesday if I'm unless I'm confusing my days or was that Tuesday Tuesday was the really rainy day regardless it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like the schedule has gotten you know that that he's been disadvantaged by that as much as a couple of other players which is well he's getting the root he's getting the set he's getting the center court bjorn borg used to always get the center court even just center court itself is a is a nice assignment and now since we've had a roof for almost 15 years that's even more he knows he's going to play so the uncertainty it would have been a little interesting if he'd been taken into a fourth set and they'd have to resume tomorrow and that would mean he'd have to play he'd also be playing sunday so he'd have to play three straight days but doesn't have to do that I had to look up. I've I've been quiet. I had to look up Hercotch's how often he was coming to net in the last two matches, and he was coming in roughly twelve times per set in his last match, and the one before that he was coming in roughly nine times per set. So you know, yeah, he he does come in more than a lot of guys, but you know, it wasn't a, a Jordan Thompson kind of situation. So, you know, we'll see what 
D does he push it and and see how well Thompson played against Djokovic? Um, or does he he say, God, the depth, I, I could never get my short ball. Or does he serve in volley summers? Does he take a little go yeah. at some turns? I mean, I think, yeah, again, he against uh against Musetti, he probably felt comfortable in the in the in the movement control rallies versus a one-hander like that. And and he's um yeah, I hope he does. I hope he does. Again, I think I think in a way, um, but he's closer, you know, he's he's a seat, he's seated 17th. Thompson unseated. Okay, I gotta try these yeah. things. Yeah, Hercotch. I think the biggest difference, if he can kind of play a Thompson-like game plan, but uh, obviously he's going to serve a lot bigger, even though Thompson served well. To be clear, I'm like this whenever I'm watching Hercotch. Uh, you know, I'm always watching Hercotch saying, can you please be a net rusher? I, you're, you're not a baseliner. You, just be a net rusher. Your volleys are great. Your forehand is not. Just avoid it and get in. Uh, so that's always been my thing with him since 2019, I've been saying this. Uh, so it's actually not even really a, a Novak-specific uh, mandate on on my end. Couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. And I think a guy, he should establish his presence and be up there more. He's probably not going to be Patrick Rafter, but he should just uh, do that. And and here's his chance. Yeah. Um, all right. So Djokovic... Through to the fourth round without dropping a set, uh, winning tie breaks in all three matches, 10 in a row. Uh, got a nice nice experience for, I think, the fans and Stan in the third round with that kind of, again, nostalgic matchup between, between the veterans. And uh, now on we go to the first real Wimbledon uh, uh, kind of contender tier guy in Hubert Hercotch in the fourth round. So we'll have coverage a little bit later in the tournament, of course. We appreciate you watching. And remember, we're available on all podcast platforms. We appreciate it if you leave a rating and a review on Apple and Spotify. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. We will see you next time on the next episode of 3.